it, amen? Amen. I am grateful to be here this evening. I am grateful to be a part of the amazing things that God does. And first off, I would like to give honor to my pastor and sister Herring for the, for the opportunity, for the privilege to be able to speak up here today. Praise God. Aren't they great? Amen? Amen. If you will, quickly, turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 30. It says, Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Brother Plail, sir, if you will please pray over service. Oh, holy. Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God is good, amen. He is so, so good. So what I would like to, to explore a bit today with you folks is what we saw there where there are two different types of plants. There's, there were those which are tares which are not compatible with what God wants. And there are those which are wheat which are compatible with what God wants, what He wants to see in our lives and in His kingdom. Amen? And we're going to look at this at a slightly different angle. And I want to examine myself and my own garden or my own field, if you will, and what I am doing with the good things that God has done in my life. And so to do this, I have to give you a little background on another topic that I very much enjoy. In fact, uh, if Sister Haley were in here, she'd say I geek out on it quite frequently. Um, and that is integrated vegetation management. And so this type of management is the, the kind of the pinnacle of the concept is that you have plants which are compatible with the space and you have plants which are incompatible. Um, it, you'll find it in gas line or pipeline utilities, uh, at highway management divisions, uh, and what I work in day in and day out in electrical utilities. And so you promote the plants which are compatible and try to eliminate those which are not. If we look at 2 Corinthians 4.16, we see that though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So what I am looking at is, is that compatible? Is that man that is growing what God wants being renewed, being grown, and being nourished day by day? So if we focus on that utility corridor, trees are the plants that don't work. They may start small, start as brush, except this year with all the rain, they are growing fantastically, unfortunately. Um, and so those tall growing trees, those are the issues. Those are the incompatible species. And they're commonly dealt with in two very distinct ways. I'm sure many have seen it. We either go ahead and cut them with a chainsaw, or we take a big piece of equipment and we mulch them into oblivion. And they turn into a bunch of itty-bitty pieces. Um, but both of these tactics, while they are commonplace, 
produce incredibly fast regrowth because we never do truly remove the problem. We never outcompete the problem. We get rid of it and take care of it for the moment. But our actions, if that is all we do, produce extremely fast recurrence. It becomes a problem very, very quickly. So we have to have a plan. We have to have methodologies in place to take action as soon as we cut that. As soon as we take care of the incompatible stuff, we have to have a plan. It may be to plant something. It may be to follow up X, X amount of days or months later, but we have to have a plan. So once you've made the ground ready, if we look at Matthew 13, verses 20 through 23 we see that the variance of, of ground that the seed can be sown in. Seed sown into stony places, same as he that heareth it, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by he's offended. Doesn't take in that ground. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. And lastly, we see he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also bears fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So, when we have this good ground, and I, it's in looking at the perspective of my own life, I have good ground. And when God helps to take care of something, I have fertile ground that will grow back with something. See, that's, that's the, the interesting part about it. As soon as we take something out, something is going to grow something is going to fill that space. It's not just going to be a once and done. After all, we wouldn't like it if everywhere was pavement. And we certainly wouldn't like it if our heart was covered in so many calluses that not a thing could get through. So it is meant to be a rich environment. A, a rich, godly environment is his desire. And so a plan to do nothing. If we deal with the problem and simply move on, that is a plan to have to deal with the problem again. If we venture into Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 45, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. If I may make the comparison, this is that ground which is ready to accept something in my life. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So to yet again underline the criticality of what I do once God does something for me. Once God works in my life and pulls something out, helps me to get over something, it matters what I do. Whether it's minor or major, there's, there's a space left there. And that space has to be filled. It has to be filled with good, 
godly things. But when I look at it through this, through this lens, so to speak, there are two major issues with this regrowing vegetation. The trees, the first is the obvious one that I'm sure many of us are, are very, very aware of. If once I get over something, once I come in and cut that vegetation that can't be there, if I let it regrow, eventually it's going to get tall enough that it's going to be up in the wires. And it's going to start looking dead. It's going to start looking very, very bad. It's, it's going to be very plain to see that something is not well. And worse than that, it becomes very, very dangerous. It may arc or spark. If I go up and touch it, I will be hurt at best, at very best, most likely killed. And beyond that, the thing that pains me the most when you read news articles is it doesn't just hit the person that grabbed it so many times. It will travel. It will hit people in close proximity and hurt them. It will kill folks afar off that you had no idea even had anything to do with it. It is very, very deadly. So it has reached that critical threshold. Now I must do something with it because if not, there's going to be injury, there's going to be death, and I have no idea who it's going to hurt. The second major issue that can uh, commonly be less obvious is like I had alluded to earlier. You, many people here know, I'm sure, you cut down a cottonwood, just one cottonwood, cut it down, you turn your back and somebody says something behind you and you turn back around and there are at least seven cottonwoods growing. And it happens so quickly, but they, they sprout back with multiple sprouts. Cottonwoods, willows, alders, all the fun stuff grows back with multiple sprouts. And when I'm talking about my walk, I can easily say, you know, it's, it's got a long ways to go before it's up there. Like, I, I'm good. I know that, that the major threat is not letting it get up to a critical point where I might get hurt or others might get hurt. But what you don't realize is how thick that grows back. When you go from one to seven, it becomes very, very difficult to see beyond it. Now you have issues going on. I have issues going on that I can't see. They may be 100 feet away. I have no idea how close it is to the wires. And then when an emergency comes, good luck getting there to fix it. It, it will block your way in... in become so thick that my, my allowing it to take root again and come back again really disables my ability to deal with those problems. But, thank God we have Him, amen? Thank God that we have Him. So it is critical, critical that there is less of me and more of him. Pray, fast, praise. When God takes care of something, I had better be giving him the praise. Amen. I'm so grateful that pastor speaks continuously about how praise works. 
because that is an easy solution for me to start with. Whether it's big or small, whether I feel like I enjoyed it or not, when God carries me through something, I had better be planting seeds of praise right away. I have that opportunity, and I'm just going to speak about my, my own self. If I am not praising God when I go through something, it's somebody else is going to be getting the praise. Whether it's me or whether I'm saying, oh, yeah, that, that my supervisor, that's so amazing that he did that for me or, or this or that. If I'm not giving God the praise, I'm giving it to someone else, and I'm giving something a chance to take root again. It is so critical that I take that time and, and I praise God. And, and with that, praise works, so why not just sow seeds of praise everywhere I go? I mean, even if it's just stepping up on the sidewalk and managing to not trip after I got caught up, praise the Lord. Because that can end up being a broken wrist. That can end up being something quite inconvenient. And that is of the smallest examples. But in summary, what I, I, I have to endeavor myself, I have to have a plan, and I am speaking to Anthony to put God back in the places that he helps me take care of this and that. The places where he gives me a victory. The places where he takes care of our finances out of the blue. Where peace that passes all understanding shows up very unexpectedly. It, it is incredible what God can do. And even more incredible what God will do and can do when we give him the honor. When we give him the praise. And when we fill the space with him after he helps us get closer to him amen praise the lord so i'm gonna just look at genesis chapter 12 and chapter 13 you don't have to uh, get up or read or anything like that they're gonna throw it on the screen chapter 12 verse number 7 and verse number 8 and it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. One chapter later, chapter 13, verse number 3 said, And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and I. I want to just talk about this subject. It kind of follows along Brother Anthony's uh, message. Back to where we belong. Going back. That's what Abram did. He went back back to where he found God. Now, please don't misunderstand my comments when I say something like that, because we know the scripture talks about 962 of Luke. I don't think you have that, but it said any man who grabs a hold of that plow, I'm paraphrasing, says don't look back, because you're in for the ride of your life. You get looking back, and you're going to find yourself doing a face plant. But you know what I'm talking about. 
Paul said it to the Philippian church, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I think I gave that to you. He talked about this one thing that I do. You got that? Oh, I gave it in the good news. All right. He said, I really do not think that I have already won it. The one thing I do, however, is to forget what is behind me and to do my best to reach what is ahead. You kind of get the emphasis that he realizes if I spend all my time and effort, somebody hear me today, about the past, about how I was wronged, how I got a bad, I got a bad deal, I got a bad set of cards, and circumstances, I just got a raw deal. If you live your life always looking back, you're going to find yourself never moving forward. Because when he said, Brother Christopher, this one thing I do, he understood, I can't go forward and be looking backwards. I've got to go forward. But what I want to talk about tonight is going back to where we belong. That sometimes, Brother Stacy, we see things, the places that we visited, things that God visited us. And we just leave those alone in the past. And, and the Lord's saying, sometimes you just need to pack your bags and go back where you know I'm at. Life can cause us to lose sight of, become disoriented, or even lost. We are on the verge of moose hunting season and everything else that moves in the forest. And I guarantee you, Brother Rick, there's going to be numerous people that get lost. I've been in the woods with some. Don't go to Walmart with them because they won't find their car. I'm not looking at anybody. But they get in the woods and they lose their bearings. Even the best people, but just even the people that are very observant, can lose their way. They can get lost. They can get distracted. They can all of a sudden just say, well, you know what I got to do? I got to go back to where I know. I'm not going to venture off to someplace new. I'm not going to go off into an area that it's never been touched, never been gone to, when I'm already don't have a good foundation. I want to go back to where I know God is. I, I could certainly use the story here of Abram going back and building an altar, but I'd like to actually look at one of my favorite characters. You know our pastor's favorite character, and that's David. And in 1 Samuel chapter 4, there was a story how uh, Eli was the priest, and he had his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and they were part of a ministerial team that uh, wouldn't fit here. <laughs> they shouldn't fit anywhere. They were doing things that was just completely against the will of God. They, they were corrupt and they were in the wrong direction. They had, God wasn't anywhere in it. They got in the middle of a battle. And it's funny how someone who's not anywhere where they're supposed to be. And they get into a battle. And immediately they want to put on their Christian hat. Oh, yeah, they, 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 get, they get all spiritual on you. And, and that's what Hophni and Phinehas says. We're in a battle against the Philistines, and things are going bad. And so, you know what we need to do? 
let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. And so they, yeah, that's a great idea. And they go get the Ark and they bring it into the battlefield and the people are like, like electrified. This for sure is going to give us a victory. And it didn't. They found themselves wiped out and the Ark of the Covenant was taken and held by the Philistines and Hophni and Phinehas died. And when the messenger came and told Eli, their father, who did nothing about their, he, he recognized where they were at spiritually, but he did nothing about it. And, um, and the Bible says that he fell backwards and broke his neck and died when he heard, not that his sons had died, but when he heard that the Ark of the Covenant had been captured, was now in the Philistines' hands. Uh, Ark is now gone. It's, it's, it, it's, you, you can't parade around the holy things of God and expect God to bless it. Uh, he wants us, Brother Tostin, he wants us to live right. He wants us to live right. Don't, don't, we don't want to tell people. Uh, you, you, some people, you, they just run around and they want to tell everybody about how they're a Christian and how they're this or that. I'm just, I'm just talking from my heart tonight. But then there's others. You don't have to say a word. You live it. You love it. People know you're, you, you've got something that's going on in your life. Uh, our pastor's wife, she walks into places and people just know that there's something special about her. She loves God. And she doesn't have to tell everybody, I, I love God. She just does. And she loves people. And when you're praying and you're doing right, you don't have to broadcast it. I don't have to tell anybody, Sister Lacey. It just comes out. It's natural. People know it. So parading things around just brought them grief. And so David becomes the king over a period of time. And David realizes, he said, the one thing that we need in Jerusalem is we need the presence of God back in Jerusalem. It wasn't just David that was looking out for David. David wanted the presence of God, but he also knew that the people of God needed that. It wasn't some selfish endeavor. I realize he took off with this excitement and zeal. Sister Elaine, and he went, and, and he didn't do it right. He just said, well, let's go get it. We'll put a new cart. We'll grab it, and let's go. And they brought 30,000 people, and they made noise, and they worshiped, and they, they went and got it, and you know the story. The cart began to move on the, uh, uh, the ark began to move on the cart when it hit a bump, and and Uzzah just reached his hand up and was smote. And David was just stricken by that he had all this zeal. He wanted the presence of God, but he didn't want to do it the right way. So he went back and he said, "Let's figure out the right way to do this." Let's go back and get the ark. They left at Obedum's house. And when they went to go get it, they came back prepared this time. They brought some priests with them. And they, they brought some offerings. And, and they got the, some trumpet players and some tambourine players. And they began to worship. And they picked that ark up on the staves like it was made to be carried upon the 
shoulders of the priests, and off they carried that back to Jerusalem. You know the story that he was bringing it back, and as they were doing it, every six steps, he said, oh, whoa, 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 time out, time out, let's stop. And they set that thing down, and they, they offered up a bullock or a, or a goat or a sheep or a turtle dove, and they began to offer those things up, and the people worshiped. God and they lift their hands and they they raise their voices and they were glad to have the presence of God come back to Jerusalem it was a celebration should have just been a short journey but it wasn't they weren't worried about how long it was going to take they just said let's bring the ark back to where it belongs I want it back and you want it back, and I know that you're going to do better if it's back. Somebody should say, praise the Lord. Some of our homes need the Ark of the Covenant back in our homes. We need to start praying like a family like we used to do when we first came into this, reading our Bibles together. Uh, put the, put the, the, the remote and the TV and put it away and get back to where we used to be, where things of God were important. shoulders back to where we belong see there's no shortcuts church there's no shortcut you can't just go Woo. That's it. it's a charismatic movement you realize that right that's a movement in the world today in the church world today they run around just hocus pocus we got the spirit over here and you just come here and everything's hunky dory and it's exciting. Well, they grow overnight, and then they fail overnight because people realize there's no shortcuts to a relationship with God. A relationship with God comes when you push yourself away from the table and say, you know what? I'm not going to eat today. I'm going to fast. When you find a place to pray when everybody else is doing something else, you said, I've just got to find a place and talk to God. When you and everyone else is reading and telling you about the stories and the, and the news of the day, you're over there and you got your Bible opened and you're reading about David and Samuel and Saul. Oh, come on, and Solomon. David's wife despised David for his exuberant worship. She said, you've just made a spectacle of yourself. She looked at it so wrong. It wasn't about David. It wasn't. And if she had looked at it any different than just some sort of fit of jealousy, she'd realize that bringing that ark back to Jerusalem would help bless her and her children. But because she despised it and because she thought he made a big spectacle of himself and called him out on it, Careful next time you think you're going to set somebody straight. Careful next time you think that it's up to you. You got the, you got the board's uh, permission and everybody's permission to go ahead and tell sister so-and-so uh, how to get right and brother so-and-so that you're out of line. Careful. Let the pastor take care of that stuff. Let the pastor be pastor. Be a loving brother and a loving sister. She ended up barren. And we're told to pick up our cross, Matthew 16, verse 24. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross 
and follow me. And Luke 9, verse 23 said, you need to do that daily. Pick up a cross. Talking about going back where we belong. When was the last time you went to an altar and you wept like you did when you got the Holy Ghost? When was the last time you, you, you just, you know what I'm talking about? We get so refined and so um, perfected, but we're far from perfection. I'm so far from perfection. I realize I need God more now than I ever needed him before. I first got the Holy Ghost. It was like, all right, bags are packed. I'm ready now. Well, that was 30 plus years ago. And he wants me to revisit that. He wants me to, to find that place. I got notes in my Bible, Brother Robbie. I don't know if you do that. Little notes in my Bible, messages that were, that were preached and certain things that just stood out during a message. Pastor said or an evangelist said. And I, and I look at those and, I, and they're, every one of those is about remembering those victories, remembering those places where you got something. Not that we're living in the past, but there's nothing wrong with going back and getting our bearings. Abram said, I know this. When I went to Bethel and built an altar, God was there. I can go back there and I can build another altar and I can begin to call on him and he'll help me get my bearings straight, help me get my, my true north going in the right direction. As sometimes the sun, I'm not sure if it's here or there or the wind. Wait you in the middle of the, the winter when you don't have much sun. Try to find a place. Easy to lose your bearings. Stand with me if you would today. Abraham received his promise in Genesis chapter 12. Back to where we belong, folks. These altars are open today. We've got a baptism. If you've got to leave, you, you go right ahead and pray for you. We're praying for Zion, if you would, please, Sister Jessica's son. Just really going through some stuff. I won't share it with you unless she wants to, but God just needs to help there. Young man, somebody, somebody want to go back to a place. Somebody remember when they got the Holy Ghost the first time. Somebody remember when they prayed through, when they laid things on the altar laid them on the altar without any intention to pick them back up. Last time you, you just said, God, I just want you to be real in my life. Help me today, Lord. Help me. I need you. I need you. I am nothing without you. I believe. I believe. I believe. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord.